0: They are passing down the handouts, and uh, make sure you have something to write with if you would like to take notes. And um, open with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Sorry, chapter 2. Sorry. Chapter 2. We're finally done with chapter one. We're starting chapter two today. Man, we're we're with, what's that? One sixth? Thirty-three point thirty-three three percent? No, that's one third. But there are six chapters. Well once we get once we get to chapter three, then we'll be thirty-three percent done. Oh. No, that would be fifty percent. <laughs> that would be fifty percent. It's okay. It's okay. Six chapters, we're one sixth in. We're one sixth in, okay? Um, all right. I know you guys do Matthew C uh, or Singapore. What else is out there? Philippines? Abacus? Um, but not in chapter one. We are in chapter two, okay? We are uh, chugging along. Okay, Ephesians chapter two. And uh, follow as I read verses one through 10. One through 10 we got extra here if you guys need more. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Paul writes this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of the flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with with which he loved us, even when we are dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved." And he raised us up with him, and he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Before uh, I walk you through the outline, one thing that I did forget, which is important. Uh, make sure you guys grab these handouts. Okay, I think we have them in the back. One is on Summon Studies. That's the schedule. We're going to start soon, I think two Wednesday from this week. And then the other one is... Some Okay, so, so make summer sure. Camp. Well, swimming studies and then summer camp. Yeah, All right. Yeah, okay, so make sure you guys grab, grab these um, and make sure you start inviting the seventh graders. And by the way, you know, the, look at those graphics. Okay, Miss Kim Williams, the graphic designer. Yeah. Ryan's mom. And DJ Park in the back. So thank you. Uh, thank you guys for for serving and using your gifts. I mean, it even has the, the splashes. That's cool. So make sure you have that. All right, Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, my plan is to take two Sundays to cover the verses that we just read, verses 1 through 10. Uh, this morning, we are going to look at the first three, verses 1 through 3. And then next Sunday, we'll look at the second half, 4 through 10. If you're looking at it, uh, just look, look at the beginning of, uh, beginning of verse 4. It starts with but, right? But God. So that's kind of a nice... That's a nice um, way to to break this down in two divisions. The first one is all about you were dead, verse 1. And then the second half is all about but God, verse 4. And then where is it? Where is it? Verse 5. But God made us alive. Okay? So from being dead to being alive. So we're going to... Tackle it that way, uh, 1 through 3, and then next Sunday, 4 through 10. So here's the outline for this morning. I want you guys to see three reminders of your hopeless condition before salvation. Okay, three reminders of your hopeless condition before salvation. Now, you might be sitting there and you heard that. Okay, my hopeless condition before salvation. Well, I'm not saved. So this is not for me. Well, it is for you, because if if you're not saved, this is your hopeless condition presently, right now, today. Okay. But it seemed like because Paul kept using the 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 phrase "you were, you were, you used to be, formerly, formerly," it, the emphasis is really on the life of the Christian before the Christian got saved. Uh, but I, but I don't want you guys to to miss the 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 two angles here that you can, you can approach this, which is if you're a Christian, Paul is reminding you of your hopeless condition before you became a Christian. And if you're not a Christian today, he's reminding you or telling you clearly, black and white, of your hopeless condition right now. Okay, so, so we'll look at those two as we, as we move through these verses. So three reminders of your hopeless condition before salvation if you're a Christian. First, Paul reminds us that if you're a Christian today, before we were saved, that we were spiritually dead. Okay, that's the first fill in the blank. We were spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. Do you guys watch zombie movies or TV shows? Yes? No? Okay. Uh, What are some movies or TV shows about zombies that you have seen? Okay, you said yes, and then you're not gi- <laughs> you're not giving me an answer. I heard like nine yeses. The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead. That's like Mr. Garrison's time in the 80s. <laughs> a long time. Long, that's a, yeah. That's a long time ago when graphics were bad. Um, any any other shows or movies? Yes. The standard video game mission in which the zombie robots attack you. Yeah. Yeah, Roblox. I don't know. Yes? It's <laughs> like Disney I watch them all. They sing. It's like a musical singing thing. A musical. All right. All right. Well, when, um, when I was little, one of the TV shows I first watched when we first got TV, you guys remember my story? We didn't get a TV till like later on. Um, the, one of the first TV shows I watched was Scooby-Doo. And it was, just, it was just weird because it was the first time I was exposed to zombies. They're, you know, a lot of their episodes were about zombies, Scooby-Doo. Um, and, then, and then it's like fake, you know, it's like the grand, grandfather or the neighbor, you know, who p- just put a mask on. Um, but that just weirded me out, you know, like zombies. I've never heard of zombies. And then later on, as I got a lot older, you know, several years ago, I saw one by by like, uh, who's that guy, uh, Will Smith, um, and then by Brad Pitt, the two different ones. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's, that's scary stuff, that's, that's, uh, that's serious. Um, well, as you guys know, okay, whether, whether it's zombies who are singing, zombies in cartoon form, zombies, you know, uh, Scooby-Doo style or whatever, uh, as you guys know, zombies are not real right, you guys know that, right, zombies are not real, just like Santa's not real, just like, just like Rainbow Bridge is not real, all those things are not real, so zombies are not real, it is impossible, okay, you guys know this, it is impossible to be physically alive, I mean, uh, physically dead, and also physically alive at the same time, you know, for, for, for someone who would be dead, but walking, you know, like The Walking Dead, that, that movie. That's impossible, to be physically alive and physically dead at the same time. Uh, That's just not possible. But you know what's possible, students? It's possible, okay, listen to me, look up, no drawing, it's possible to be spiritually dead and physically alive. That's very possible. Zombies, impossible. Physically alive, physically dead at the same time, no. Walking dead, not, not possible but someone to be spiritually dead on the inside. Okay, you have souls on the inside, but for that to be dead, and for you to be physically alive, you know, like today, like right now, you're, you're, you're up and awake, right? You, got, you dress yourself, you came here because you're physically alive. For, it's possible for those two to be together. And that's exactly what Paul is going to tell us. Look at verse 1, okay? It's pretty black and white, right? Verse 1. And you were what? What does it say, class? Dead. Dead. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Now, if you're asking, okay, what does it mean? What does it look like to be spiritually dead? Well, I jotted some, some answers to that question. You don't have to write all these things down. I would just want you guys to listen. To be spiritually dead means many things. Number one, you have no spiritual life. You have no spiritual life. Number two, you have no relationship with God. He's not your father. You're not his child. Number three, you have, you have no desire to be holy or to be godly or to be Christ-like. Zero desire for that. You're dead. Number four, you have no power over sin. Why would you? Why would you want to? You're dead, right? You just sin left and right all the time. Number five, you cannot respond to God, right? God... God um, talks to you through His Word. He uses your conscience. He uses the Holy Spirit. You can't respond. It's like, it's like, um, it's like having. Uh, it's like you're. It's like you're the radio. Well, uh, you guys don't have radios. I was going to say AM and FM. Um, okay, Bluetooth. It's like, it's like you're you're a, a wireless speaker, right? And you're supposed to connect to the phone through Bluetooth, and you cannot you cannot connect, you cannot respond because number one, your your Bluetooth is like you know the re- the really old one like 1.2, um, and then the phone is now on 8.9, right? And then and then uh, you're you're wrapped in you're wrapped in um, foil a bunch of times, so you can't connect, and uh, and then you have no battery. So you can't even turn on your Bluetooth, and you're broken, and then your you, part of your Bluetooth uh, is actually on the moon. So you, you just you just can't connect. Okay, if you're spiritually dead, you cannot connect. You cannot respond to God. You don't even have the right connection. You don't even you can't you can't do it. Okay, it's impossible. Number six, you can't obey the Bible. You may read the Bible. A lot of spiritually dead or a lot of unbelievers out there read the Bible. They know the Bible. They memorize the Bible. They write commentaries about the Bible, but they cannot obey the Bible. They see a command from the Bible, like children, obey and honor your parents for this is right. They just go, obey my parents. They obey me. I show them what's up. Right? That's, that's the attitude. They cannot, they don't want to obey the Bible. Number seven, you cannot change or better yourself. Sure, you can comb your hair, look better, put makeup on, you know, work out, get some big, bigger muscles. But spiritually speaking, you cannot better, you cannot change who you really are on the inside. And who are you on the inside? Dead. It's not like, okay, I was dead yesterday spiritually, but now I'm like halfway there. Because I took some vitamins. No, it's impossible. Okay, you're spiritually dead. You cannot change or better yourself. Number eight, you cannot do anything to please God. You cannot do anything to please God. Yes, you may obey your mom and dad here and there. Yes, you may attend church here and there. But deep down, because your motives are, are selfish and sinful, guess what? God is still not pleased with you. Why, w- why wouldn't he be pleased with you? You're spiritually dead. That's what it means to be spiritually dead. Even though you were physically alive, students, capable of doing things like school, ballet, volleyball, going to church, eating, sleeping, drawing, riding, riding horses, watching TV, and everything else, you were spiritually dead. That's why you can be called the walking dead. Spiritually dead. But physically alive. That's possible. That can happen. There's a lot of people who are walking dead people today. Now notice that Paul says that you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Okay, look at verse 1. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. That means that your life consist, consisted of nothing but trespasses and sins. What that means is that you couldn't do anything other than disregard God's authority. I don't like His authority. I don't want Him telling me how to do life. So there's that trespass of disregarding God's authority. And secondly, your life also consisted of of sin, of disobeying God's commands. So His authority, you don't like. His commands, you don't obey. So that's the kind of life that you used to have if you're a Christian today. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Now... What do you think is the difference between the spiritually uh, spiritually dead and spiritually sick? You guys know the difference? The spiritually sick and the spiritually dead. What's the difference? Yes, give me one. The spiritually dead have no relationship with God. But the spiritually sick have a weak relationship with God. Okay, good. One has a relationship even though it's weak. One doesn't. What else? What's the difference? Yes, great. Yeah, the spiritually sick knows that he's sick, right? And he feels the effects of his sickness, and he wants to see the physician, Jesus Christ, the doctor. Uh, the dead person, he doesn't, he doesn't know nothing. He doesn't know anything. He doesn't even know he's dead, because he's dead, right? Well, sadly, sadly, students, so some Christian denominations today, a lot of books today, even some Christian schools today, will tell you that you're not spiritually dead and that you're just spiritually sick. Okay? You might go to, uh, um, you know, visit somebody else's church or read uh, a book or go to uh, some kind of school convention. And sadly, sometimes they will tell young people like you or even parents that you're actually not spiritually dead. You're just a little bit sick. Okay? Okay? And students, that's a huge lie. Okay, that's what Satan wants you to wants you to believe that you're spiritually sick when you're actually dead, and um, and that, that matters because if you're just spiritually sick, then your condition is not that bad, right? You can you can get better, like you guys are saying. You um, you just see uh, you know a psychiatrist or a life coach, right? Change some of your thinking habits. Um, get your act together, avoid some stuff, you know, clean your life a little bit, take some medications, and then you'll be better. You're just sick. You can better yourself. You can improve yourself. That's what people teach today. But that's not what Paul is saying here. If you are not a Christian, you are black and white, no room for, you know, wiggle room, no wiggle room here. You are spiritually dead. Okay? If you're not a Christian, you're not spiritually sick. Your condition is hopeless. A spiritually sick person, there's a little bit of hope there, but for a spiritually dead person, for the walking dead, hopeless. Hopeless. If you're a Christian today, before you were saved, you were, like Paul says here in verse 1, you were spiritually dead. You were spiritually dead. You were in the most hopeless condition there is. To be a dead person is the most hopeless condition. So that's Paul's first reminder. Look at at what Paul says next. Paul reminds us that we were spiritually dead before we were saved. And secondly, we were were sinfully enslaved. Okay, that's number two. We were sinfully enslaved. What does it mean, students, to be enslaved to something? If If you say, I'm enslaved to this or I'm enslaved to that. Yes, Haven. He has control over you. He has control over you. Um, whatever that, to be enslaved to something is to be mastered by that thing, to be controlled by that thing, like Haven says. Whatever your master is, whatever is controlling you, you do a lot of things to it in your, in your relationship to that thing. You obey it, and you, you love it, and you live for it. You obey it, you love it, and you live for it. And Paul is going to show us here that before we were saved, we were enslaved. We were sinfully enslaved. We were enslaved to sin. We lived for it, we loved it, and we obeyed it. And if you ask me, okay, how, how does that look like? How did that look like? Well, Paul gives us three details how enslaved we were to our sin. Look at... Look at the first one, the the sub point under number two, fill in the blank. You can write this. We were living like the world. Okay, that's one detail of being enslaved to sin. We were living like the world. We were living like the world. This is from verse 2. Okay, follow as I read. Look at verse 2. In which, Paul says, in your spiritual deadness in that state, you formerly, so he's talking to Christians, and he's reminding them, you formerly, Christians, walked according to the course of this world. Paul uses this word walk a lot in his writings, uh, 32 times, and it's not referring to the way you walk physically. Okay, uh, some of the boys sometimes will, will have the, the, the um, you know, the chest chess out walk, um, Sometimes uh, they have like the hunchback walk sometimes, if they're on their phones. Uh, It's not, it's not talking about, it's not talking about the way you physically walk. Okay, he's not saying you formally walked like whoever, you know, your favorite artist or um, athlete. He's not talking about physical walking. It's referring to the way you live your life, okay? When you see that word walking, especially in the New Testament, especially in Ephesians, we'll see that many times as we, as we go through the book. It's, it's talking about the way you live your life, how you, here's another word, how you behave and how you act, okay? How you behave and how you act. This made me think of my, uh, my college life. Uh, I didn't get saved until late college. I wasn't a Christian at that time but I called myself a Christian, okay? I was a, a walking dead. I didn't know I was a walking dead, but I pretended to be a Christian. So I actually uh, professed to be a Christian, called myself a Christian, and I even went to church. But, but if you had the opportunity to, uh, to get to know me, you would, you would find out right away, pretty quickly, that I was a walking dead, that, that I was not a Christian because of how I lived, okay, because of how I behaved, because of how I acted. I behaved and I acted, sadly, just like the world. Here's, here's how I did it. Number one, my thoughts were ungodly and, um, and wicked, you know, the things that I was thinking about. Yes, I went to church, yes, I called myself a Christian, but the things, the things on my mind were ungodly and wicked. Secondly, my words were nonsense and useless. You know, I, when I was in college, you know, I was raised right, so I was careful not to, you know, say profanity, not to kind of be on the extreme with my words. But man, my, my, my words were just a bunch of nonsense, a bunch of uselessness. Uh, all I talked about was myself, uh, girls, money, uh, lots, lots about cars, Um, in basketball, Michael Jordan, in shopping, you know, the mall, all those things, just useless nonsense stuff, just like the world, just like the world. And thirdly, my actions were unloving and selfish. I was very unloving. I was very selfish. All I did was pursue things that would benefit me, the things that I enjoyed, the things that I like. If somebody said, hey, how about this? I said, no, let's do what I want to do. Uh, I use people for my own happiness and just very selfish and unloving with my actions. Now, students, if you're a Christian today, your life may not have been as, as worldly uh, as my life was, when I was before I got saved in college, uh, but that doesn't make you any better. Paul says here, pretty clear, okay? Pretty clear, pretty black and white, that before God saved you, you were still living for the world rather than God. That was your lifestyle. That was your thought. That was your words. That was your behavior, just like the world, just like the sinful world. Secondly, here's another detail that Paul gives us how enslaved we were to our sin. We were influenced by the devil. Okay, maybe... Uh, The worldly influence was a lot clearer to you, but maybe this is the first time you're hearing this one, being influenced by the devil. We were influenced by the devil. And it's in verse 2. Look at the second half of verse 2. And we also lived according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Now, um, is, is that confusing a little bit? The prince of the power of the air, the spirit who is now working in the sons of disobedience. Very clear or a little bit confusing? What do you guys think? No drawing. A little bit confusing, right? Yes, a little bit confusing. Um, it uses big words, uh, can be a little bit confusing. So let's... Uh, Uh, Let's, uh, according to Pastor Scott, let's unpack it. You guys ready to unpack it? Let's unpack it. Okay, this this long statement. We'll we'll ask some questions and we'll try to answer them to uh, to get some clarity. Here's the first question. Who is the prince? Now, um, this is, it doesn't say here, but later on, Paul will refer to this person and the rest of the Bible refers to this person as prince. This is referring to the devil. Okay, to the devil, also called what? What, what? what are other names that the Bible gives to the devil? Give me one. Satan? Satan? Yes. Lucifer. Lucifer, same person. The devil, Satan, Lucifer. He used to be an angel. You know, he's not like, he's not like uh, uh, that emoji that maybe you've seen or maybe that movie or show that you've seen or maybe even, you know, on the cartoon um, things that you've seen he's he's not like the little red uh devil looking thing with horns with a with a fork with a tail he doesn't look like that okay he's not like that okay lucifer the devil satan he used to be an angel but god cursed him and kicked him out of heaven because he wanted to be what god okay he was an angel he used to be an angel he looked like an angel that's, that's the prince here that Paul's referring to, the devil. Here's the next question. What does the word power mean? Well, the better translation of this word is, uh, I prefer kingdom. Okay, kingdom, which is how, if you have the NIV, does yours say kingdom instead of power? Any kingdom here? Yes, grace, grace says kingdom. Yeah, that's, I think that's the, the better translation. Uh, it's, it's referring not so much to Satan's powerful ability to do things, but, but his kingdom domain, his kingdom uh, realm, okay? Third question, what is the word air referring to? What do you guys think? What, what comes to mind right away? Yes. Yeah, but it's spelled differently. It's not H-E-I-R. It's spelled A-I-R. Yes, Joshua. The air you breathe, the air you breathe right? Or, or wind, right? That's, that's what we think about. Uh, we hear this word air, we autom- automatically think of that. But back then, okay, back in the Bible times, long, long, long time ago, they, they understood the word air as the space, which kind of makes sense, but it's the space between where God is, right? The heavens where God is, and earth, where the people are that space, or you could call it atmosphere, uh, they, they, would, uh, they would have understood it as that, that realm or that space. But here's the thing. They believe that that's where Satan and his demons lived and operated. So when Paul says the prince of the power of the air, he's referring to the devil with his kingdom, with his demons in their operation. Here's the next question. Here's the next statement that can be a little bit confusing. What does of the spirit that is now working in the sense of disobedience mean? Well, uh, let's choose the one that's a little bit easier to uh, explain there, and that is the phrase sons of disobedience. That's another title for unbelievers, for the walking dead, for the spiritually dead, for for non-Christians. If that's you, that's what the Bible calls you, sons of disobedience. Uh, you, your character, your reputation, what you're known for, is what disobedience. disobedience. Okay, sons of disobedience, or you can say daughters of disobedience. the The other word here is spirit. Okay, in the beginning of of this phrase, of the spirit, of the spirit who uh, that is now working. That word spirit is not referring to the Holy Spirit. That wouldn't make sense, right? The Holy Spirit wouldn't be helping unbelievers to disobey so it's not referring to the holy spirit i think it's referring to the internal spiritual mindset or the internal heart disposition of unbelievers the things that they desire the things that they want to do so let's we've unpacked it right let's uh, put it back together i think here's a good summary of uh of this verse in verse two the second half of verse two you can say it this way, Satan is ruling over the kingdom of demons, okay, so he's influence on the macro level, right, the prince of the power of the air, okay, of the air, so macro, big, his, his influence is present there. And also, at the same time, Satan is ruling over the hearts of unbelievers, the desires of unbelievers, the wills of unbelievers. So that's like in the micro level of his ruling and influence. That's what Paul's saying here. So, students, if you're a Christian today, before you were saved, maybe this is the first time you've ever heard this, but it was true. Before you were saved, you were under the influence of the devil. Okay? You were being controlled by the devil, the devil was your master. You essentially belong to the devil, right? Jesus told the people in the gospel that, okay, if you are a liar, if that's your character, then you, are, then you belong to your father who? The devil. the devil, because the devil is the father of lies. So you, you essentially belong to the devil and you did the things of the devil. That was the influence, the control that the devil had on you before you were saved. Number three, here's another detail that Paul gives us how, just how enslaved we used to be to sin. Number three, we were obedient to the flesh. We were obedient to the flesh. So if you missed some of that, we were living like the world we were influenced by the devil. And here's the third one. We were obedient to the flesh. Look at verse 3. Verse 3. Among them, okay, so among the sons of disobedience, among unbelievers, Paul says, we too. So notice that he includes himself here in the list. We too, all, so all of us, every single person, all formerly lived. Again, past tense. He's talking to Christians. You used to be. You formerly lived in the lust of the flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Lust of, lust of the flesh is referring to our strong sinful desires. Okay, that's, you can, you can kind of simply describe lust of the flesh that way. Uh, another word for lust is like a strong craving. Um, something that you really want to do, something that you really want to accomplish. And in the context, it's it's not a good thing. It's sinful. So that's the lust of the flesh. Sinful desires, strong sinful cravings. Notice that Paul says that we lived. Okay, past sense, L-I-V-E-D, past sense. We lived in them, meaning we always obeyed our sinful desires of our flesh. We obeyed it. We obeyed the... The desires, the sinful desires. Not only that, but Paul also says here that we indulge in them. Uh, Another translation says we gratified or we satisfied those desires. We indulge in them. That means we had no control over the desires of our flesh. Our sinful desires always led to sinful deeds. Okay, think about that way. So Paul says lusts of the flesh. So it's the, it's the, the sinful things that we wanted. And then we indulge them, meaning the desires always led to the deeds. Sinful desires always led to the deeds. If you're a Christian, can you have sinful desires? Yes. But if you're a Christian, you have the power of the Spirit to not, to not, um, not let them become the deeds, sinful deeds. But for, for a walking dead, for someone who's not a believer, the sinful desires always led to sinful deeds. Now, if you guys are asking me, okay, what are some of the sinful deeds? Where would you guys go in the Bible? The sinful desires of the flesh that would lead to the sinful deeds of the flesh. Other than Nicholas. Where would you guys go? Because sometimes we can't really see the desires, the sinful desires inside of a person, inside of an unbeliever. But then when they start acting them out, now we're seeing the deeds of the flesh, we're like, huh, the deeds of the flesh are there. I'm hearing it and I'm seeing it because the sinful desires were there in the beginning. And they have no control over it because they're spiritually dead. They're the walking dead. What would you guys go? What would be like a nice list that says, and these are the deeds of the flesh? Yes. Okay, let's go there. Are you sure? Alright. Aspen said Galatians chapter five. So if you're in Ephesians, just go backwards. Galatians chapter five. Let's look at this for a moment because I think this is helpful. Okay, if you're an unbeliever, Paul's saying, uh, you were you were obedient to the flesh. You were obedient to the sinful desires of the flesh, and it and they always led to the sinful deeds of the flesh the internal always led to the external they're, they're connected Galatians chapter 5 verse 19 oh look at that good job Aspen that verse 19 now the deeds of the flesh are evident meaning you can see them you can observe them you can feel them you can be affected by them which are immorality impurity sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing. So that's 15. And you're like, man, that's a lot. And then Paul says, and things like these. So it could be like 15 more or 40 more. Right? And things like these. Of which I forewarn you Just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things, okay those who cannot control their sinful desires, and it always leads to sinful deeds like he's describing here, that those who do that, those who practice that, that's their their reputation, their sons of disobedience, that's what they're known for, will not inherit the kingdom of God. They're not going to heaven. They're going to hell. Go back to Ephesians 2. So students, this is what it looks like to be enslaved to sin. This is a very clear description from Paul here in Ephesians 2. This is what it looks like to be enslaved to sin. Before God saved you, if you're a Christian today, you used to be, you you, you were formerly living like the world. Okay, the things that you watch, the things that you click on, the things that you that you dream of, like the, the, like the worldly things. You used to live like that. Not only that, you were influenced by the devil. Maybe you didn't know that, right? But it's pretty clear that before you were saved, you were influenced by the devil. You belonged to the devil. He had control over you, influence over you. And you were, the thi- you were doing the things that the devil is doing. And thirdly, you obeyed the flesh. Every single sinful desire, you always wanted to obey them and they would, in, in return, become the deeds of the flesh. And your parents saw them, whether you knew it or not. Your siblings were affected by them. Your leaders could watch them. That's how enslaving it is to be under sin. Again, a very, very... Hopeless condition. So, Paul reminds us that we were spiritually dead. What's the second one? Sinfully enslaved. And here's the last one, the third one. We were, before God saved us, before we became Christians, we were surely condemned. We were surely condemned, and I'll explain that word condemned in a little bit. We were surely condemned. Again, students, think of, man, this is just hopeless. I'm not, I wasn't just spiritually sick. I was hopelessly spiritually dead. Surely condemned. Look at the second half of verse 3. Paul says, and we were, past tense again, he's talking to Christians, reminding them, this is who you you used to be, and we were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. We were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Uh, That word by nature is uh, something that you're you're born. Uh, It's innate, it's intrinsic. It'd be like, you know, describing to you my background, By nature, I am a Filipino, okay? Yes, I went through the uh, naturalization process uh, in the U.S. of A. I became a citizen, you know. I saw Barack Obama on the screen. Congratulations, new citizens of America. Uh, But by nature, okay, my mom is a Filipino. My dad is a Filipino. I was born in the Philippines, okay? By nature, I was a Filipino. I'm still a Filipino today. Can I change that? What if I bleach my skin so I'd be lighter? Would I still be a Filipino? Uh, What if I... uh, This one's funny because it's somewhat true because when I came to the U.S., I'm like, man, I want to have blonde hair like my, you know, like my white friends. What if I dyed my hair blonde and even match it? My eyebrows and everything, you know, all the hair would be matching. I'd still be a what? A Filipino. Why? Because that is my nature. Okay, that's in my DNA, right? God made me a Filipino. It's innate. I was born that way, and I I will always be that way. So here, Paul says, and we were by nature. What? What does he say? Good person? Good people? Good kids? No. We were by nature children of wrath. Before salvation, you, myself, your friends, even your parents. Okay, I know you have great parents, and today's Mother's Day. Our mothers are great. But even your parents and the rest of all mankind, Paul says, were children of wrath. We weren't just sons of disobedience. Again, think of the hopeless condition. We weren't just sons of disobedience. It's even worse. We were children of God's wrath. Okay, if you're asking, what's God's wrath? We sang it earlier. Um, we, talk, uh, we sang about it. God's wrath is His um, painful and eternal punishment for sin. You can simply... Um, Define it that way. God's wrath is His painful and eternal punishment of sin for sinners. That's God's wrath. Now, to be a child of, God, uh, of God's wrath means two things. Okay, these are the, I believe, last fill in the, well, close. The, these are more fill in the blanks. It means two things, to be a child of God's wrath. Number one, you were deserving of God's wrath. You deserve it. You deserve it. And number two, you were destined for God's wrath. You are going to get it. You're going to get it. God's wrath, meaning God's painful and eternal punishment of sin, you deserved it, and you're destined for it. Meaning, meaning... It's right. It's just for you to get it, and you will get it. That's what it means to be a child of God's wrath. Again, this is the hopeless condition of every single unbeliever. This is the hopeless condition of your old life if you're a Christian today. So, if you're asking, okay, how how does this apply to me? How can I think about this this week? Before we get to the second half, but God, right? But God made you alive. Before we get there, let me just give you some three things to think about and to apply, okay? Number one, if this is your present life, okay, the things that we just looked at from verses one through three, Spiritually dead, sinfully enslaved, surely condemned, if this is your present life, if, you're, if you were sitting there and you're thinking, man, I, I do live like the world. Man, I am influenced by the devil. Man, I just obey the sinful desires of my flesh. If, 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 that's, if those are the things that were going through your mind and you're, and you're saying, man, I think that's me. If this is your present life, seek God's help. You need to go and seek God's help, and next Sunday we'll look at that in more detail in the second half. Secondly, number two, second application, if this is your previous life, okay, if you were sitting there and saying, man, I still do struggle with some of those things, but I'm so thankful that, that I have the desire and the ability, ability to not do those things anymore because of the Holy Spirit, that is my old life. It is really bad. It was really bad. So if this is your previous life, don't play dead. <laughs> don't play dead. Okay, don't, don't, don't live like the world. If you do that and you're a Christian, you're playing dead. Okay, if you're a Christian and you're uh, doing the things of the devil, you're playing dead. You're not dead anymore. If you are obeying the desires, the sinful desires of your flesh and you're, you're living out or you're practicing what we read from Galatians chapter 5, you're playing dead. You don't have to. You shouldn't do that. And number three, last one. No one, okay, no one. Like Paul said, all of us, even as the rest, okay, no one is born good, no one is born saved, no one is born spiritually alive. All right, students? Books will tell you that you're born somewhat good and that you're kind of savable and that you're, you're just spiritually sick. No, no one. Not you, not your mom, not your dad, not me, okay? Not Pastor Scott, no one. No one is born good, saved, nor spiritually alive. So, so what do we do? We give those people what? What? The gospel because it is only through the gospel in which God will make us alive together with Christ so students if uh, if this hit you hard personally again if you were sitting there and saying I think I'm a walking dead I think I'm a walking dead I think I'm a spiritual zombie pretending to be spiritually alive, but deep inside, I, I am spiritually dead. If that's you, please talk to me, talk to your leaders, and we would love to discuss that with you and hopefully share with you the gospel. Okay, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the clarity of your word. We know that a lot of times we hear your word and it encourages us and sometimes we hear your word and it cuts deep because it exposes our hearts who who we really are deep down things that we hide from our parents things that we hide from our friends and other people at church you expose those things so my prayer is that it, those who are spiritually dead in this room i pray that they would that they would understand that from these verses and that they would go to you that they would seek your help and that you would be gracious and merciful to make them alive we look forward to looking at that next sunday for those of us who are spiritually alive we we pray that we we wouldn't play dead we don't live like that anymore all those things are formerly and that we would be humble and super thankful because we couldn't do anything to give ourselves life. You did it all. Thank you for these students. Thank you for their attention. Bless our day today as we celebrate Mother's, Mother's Day. In Jesus' name, amen.